Okay, this is the Westminster Confession of Faith. Agreed upon by the Assembly of Divines at Westminster with the assistance of commissioners from the Church of Scotland as part of the covenanted uniformity in religion betwixt the churches of Christ in the kingdoms of Scotland, England, and Ireland. Approved of by the General, General Assembly in 1647 and ratified and established by Acts of Parliament in 1649 and 1690 as the public and avowed confession of the Church of Scotland. So the, out of all those groups, the Church of Scotland were the ones that said, this is what we want. We want this one. With proofs from the scripture. And we're going to look at the proofs of the scripture. From the scripture as well. So let's head over to the very first chapter one of the Holy Scripture. And we're going to interrupt this with looks at scripture. Although the light of nature and the works of creation and providence do so far manifest the goodness, wisdom, and power of God as to leave men inexcusable, and we'll stop right there, and we have several passages to show that what God reveals in nature leaves man inexcusable. Everything we need to know about God we can find in Holy Scripture. So we go to Romans 2, 14 and 15, and it says this, For when Gentiles who do not have the law, means they don't have the Scriptures, by nature do what the law requires, meaning that they fulfill the law even without the law, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. Our consciences have the law. That's, that's God's placing of the law in our hearts. That's our conscience. And it's saying here that even people who do not have the law written down, that don't study the Old Testament, people that don't believe in the Bible, people that don't even use the Bible, people that don't even know the Bible, the law, God's law, is written on their hearts so that when it comes in conflict, they know. They know in their hearts that they've done wrong. So if you do say to someone, oh, I don't believe in any of that Bible stuff, and then you say, well, have you ever told a lie? Have you ever stolen anything? You're hitting their conscience because the law is in there. The law is buried in there. Romans 1, 19 through 20. Let's read these. Let's bring this closer. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Everything we need to know about God. Specifically, 
of his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived, clearly gathered ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. Creation cries out about God's attributes. Psalm one nine, sorry, Psalm nineteen, one, two, and three. Let's flip over to the Psalms. Psalm nineteen, one, two, and three. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day by day, pours out speech. Just in the day, pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. Just Nature reveals this. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard without excuse. Romans 1, 32. Back to Romans. Romans 1, 32. Though they know God's decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, not they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. We know the truth, we suppress the truth, and we not only practice them, the lie, we not only give our lives over to the lie, but we approve of other people who give their lives over to the lie. Finally, Romans 2.1 Therefore you have no excuse, O man, for every one of you who judges. Sorry. Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. All of you who judge have no excuse. And we all judge. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We are guilty of committing the very same crimes. Because we have the law. And because we are sinners, we break the law. So, although the light of nature and the works of creation and providence do so far manifest the goodness, wisdom, and power of God as to leave men inexcusable, approved all that, yet are they not sufficient so all of these things, the light of nature, the works of creation and providence, they are not sufficient to give that knowledge of God and of his will, which is necessary unto salvation. So they are not enough to give us all the information that we need to be saved. Let's look at the proving scriptures for this. 1 Corinthians one twenty one after Romans. 1 Corinthians one twenty one. And it's right there on the end. Okay, 1 Corinthians one twenty one four. For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. So even though the world did not know God through its own wisdom, God, it pleased God to give us his salvation through the folly, says, the folly of preaching. 
Why is it called the folly of preaching? Because to people who are worldly, the ungodly, it is absolute silliness to be preaching this. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 2, 13 and 14. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, inter interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So there's a natural knowledge. You can learn everything about God except salvation. Salvation is given to us by the Spirit of God. And to those who are perishing, the Spirit of God is nonsense. The preaching that comes out of the mouth of someone with the Spirit of God in their hearts is also nonsense. Back to the Westminster Confession. Therefore, it pleased the Lord at sundry times, at various times, and in diverse manners to reveal himself and to declare that his will and to declare his will to his church. So it pleased him in various times and various ways to reveal himself and his will to his church. And the verse to back this up is Hebrews 1, 1. I may even know this by heart, but I will go and flip to it. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Now it says one, one only, but I'm going to read further. God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. Through him also he created the world. Let's go back to the confession. So he declared his will into unto his church in many times in many ways. And afterwards, for the better preserving and propagating of the truth, so he spoke to us through his son, but afterwards, for this better preserving and propagating of the truth and for the more sure establishment and comfort of the church against the corruption of the flesh and the malice of Satan and of the world, he preserved and propagated the truth by committing the same, these words, the words of Jesus, holy unto writing. And we've got here Proverbs 22. Let's get over to Proverbs 22. Oh, I'm almost there. I'm pretty fast. Proverbs 22, 19, 20, and 21. That your trust may be in the Lord, I have made them known to you today, even to you. Have I not written for you 30 sayings of counsel and knowledge to make you know what is right and true, that you may give a true answer to those who sent you? He's talking about the Proverbs right there. Look, so that you can trust in God, I have made known these things to you today in all things. So this, Proverbs, this, this proverb is saying that when we write, them, write things down, 
it will help give you deeper counsel and knowledge because you'll have them written down. Luke 1, 3, and 4. Let's go to Luke 1, 3, and 4. Luke 1, 54. Luke 1, 3, and 4. This is Luke speaking to Theophilus. It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Romans 15, 4. We're looking at reasons why the scriptures are written and not just transferred orally or by the Spirit in the heart. Romans 15, 4. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. Matt 4, 4, 7, and 10. Matt 4, Matthew 4, 4, 7, and 10. Matthew 4, 4, he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Verse 7, Jesus said to him again, It is written, You shall put, not put the Lord your God to the test. These are his responses to the devil in the wilderness. He's beginning each by it is written. And 10. Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. The words written in Scripture have authority, and we can use the authority of the Scripture. I don't have to make up my own words to try to get the truths of Scripture across to you. I can use God's words. They are good. Isaiah 8, 19-20. Isaiah 48... Nope, Isaiah 8, 19 and 20. Isaiah 8, 19. And when they say to you, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? to the teaching and to the testimony, if they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. The word of God supersedes all the words of man. Finally, back to the Westminster Confession. which makes the Holy Scripture to be most necessary. The Holy Scriptures are most necessary. And for this, we have 2 Timothy 3.15. We all know what that says. Most necessary. 2 
Timothy 3, 15. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. 2 Peter 1, 19. First Peter or Second Peter one nineteen. Of course, it will be on the other page. And we have something more sure: the prophetic word, to which you will do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. So that is why the Holy Scripture is most necessary. And then it says those former ways of God's revealing his will, so the, the former ways before Scripture, unto his people being now ceased. So the former ways that God revealed himself have now ceased. And the way we, reveal, we, we get the revelation of God is through Scriptures. And that's, once again, Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. Long ago, many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. And the words of God are the Bible. And the previous ways have now ceased. Let me read the entire First part, chapter 1 of the Holy Scripture, part 1. Although the light of nature and the works of creation and providence do so far manifest the goodness, wisdom, and power of God as to leave men unexcusable, yet are they not sufficient to give that knowledge of God and of his will which is necessary unto salvation? Therefore it pleased the Lord at sundry times and in diverse manners to reveal himself and to declare that his will unto his church and afterwards for the better preserving and propagating of the truth and for the more sure establishment and comfort of the church against the corruption of the flesh and the malice of Satan and of the world to commit the same holy unto writing which maketh the, the holy scripture to be most necessary those former ways of God's revealing his will unto his people being now ceased. That's all for this time on the Westminster Confession of Faith. Thank you.